You're listening to the Science Circle Podcast. This is part three of an encore excerpt from the Science Circle presentation on exosociology, our transgalactic relations. For the full-length video of this podcast, please visit sciencecircle.org or search on YouTube for the Science Circle channel. In this episode, we seek ways we might connect and get along with new alien friends. I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Welcome. So if we share common soil and seeds, it wouldn't be too surprising to find we have a common resonance in our core. So when we do connect, just how much information can we exchange and how might we do it? For example, Carl Jung identified certain archetypes that transcend cultural differences, such as the universal theme of a paradise or golden age. He says that universal resonance to particular themes and symbols may reside in a collective consciousness. And these archetypal themes include the creation of the cosmos, the symbolism of rebirth, the hero in battle to rescue the distressed, sexual images of fertility, symbols of transcendence and release, and so forth. Joseph Campbell, in a treatment on the power of mythologies, suggested as well various images and themes that may be universally resonant as applied and passed on by storytellers and artists. Some of Campbell's ancient mythological themes include the mystery of death and life, the procuring of food, the transformation of children into adults, the relationship of the individual to the group, and so on. Even if these themes may be universally resonant, well, how do we convey them without a common language? And if we just send pictures, will they be understood? Well, we could send pictures, but even something so picture clear to us may be misunderstood by others. For example, we see a picture of an adult holding a child. Well, is that a parent who loves that child, or is it someone about to hurt that child, or even eat that child? There can be too much left unanswered by a photograph. One suggestion to get around the ambiguity of pictures is to send messages that portray objects in three-dimensional space, perhaps holographic sculptures that an alien can choose to view from any angle or using the vocabulary of dance and gestures and pointing to teach and convey information. The more information sent, the better for some sort of understanding. According to new calculations published by two scientists in the journal Nature, it is millions of times more efficient to send a long message as a physical package, a cosmic FedEx, uh, rather than as a radio wave or laser pulse. So as we now consider our communications, what images and themes might be universal, we may need to modify our concept of universal with our expanded understanding of just what that means. If we really want to say something is true all across the vast expanse of space and time, we may need to refer to it now as multiversal. For example, the universal assessment of facial expressions. 
One definitive study found a pan-cultural reaction among diverse cultures in response to photographs expressing a series of facial expressions. The study included participants in diverse countries and cultures, some who had never seen a movie or a TV show or magazine, and they all associated the same emotion with the same facial expression. Is there an evolutionary physiological foundation for facial expressions that we may share in common with other alien species, which include expelling, for example, a sour taste and disgust where the tongue pokes out and the face pulls back, or surprise where our eyes open wide to let in as much light as possible to fully assess the circumstance? or fear where the body recoils and retreat and the eyes open wide and the hands come up, or anger where the face tenses and the eyes focus on a target. There are biological reasons molded by evolutionary forces for the faces that we make. What sort of sociological scales might we use for assessing our differences and similarities? Some may object to Geert Hofstede's methodology, but his taxonomy has really stood the test of time, measuring cultural differences in terms of power distance, individualism, masculinity, uncertainty avoidance, and long-term orientation. It was my years I spent in Eastern Europe with a Slavic culture at a near polar opposite of my own culture from the United States that gave me my first inkling into the vast differences between peoples. But it also gave me the incentive to seek commonalities as I managed a Russian news team. My research into bridging cultural differences has been published in scholarly journals. You can find a link to my UNESCO article uh, on my website, research website at www.mr.us. Since 2000, I have taught students, now in the thousands, from more than 40 different countries. Here are some of my students at UCSB and UCLA. And I'm always looking for better ways to bridge differences across wide cultural gulfs. And the first thing to figure out is what causes dissonance, discord, even warfare among our human species. Extrapolating these traits to alien relations, it may be best to avoid telling jokes, for example, which are so culturally contextual, or hitting on them sexually, or trying to convert them to the true faith, or implying that our planet has the best of all political systems as we try to win their vote. Instead, we might consider what themes and images create a resonance between diverse cultures. For example, aliens most likely will have some means of perpetuating themselves, so they may well tenderly care for their offspring. No doubt, when we finally learn to communicate fully with dolphins, they'll tell us stories about their children, the games they play, conflicts with other dolphins, their rituals of birth and death, and certainly they'll have lots to say about water. Now, planets within our own galaxy may be most like ourselves. We share roughly the same cosmic time frame and astronomical dust, and given the vast expanse of space, we live just next door to other star systems. So how might some of the traits of our Earth apply, and what traits may be transgalactic among the vast differences that might exist between worlds? So let's look at some of the possibilities. 
Reproducing and preserving life is a big one. If a species didn't reproduce, eat, survive, it wouldn't evolve very far. And that's liable to be as common of a universal or even multiversal theme elsewhere as it is on Earth. If alien species do reproduce, do they have family issues? Do they mate? Do they retain familial ties? What would the image of a parent and child serve, possibly as an effective means of trans-species communication? It's hard to imagine advanced species that didn't interact in social structures. Specialization of labor is an important component of technological development. How do they interact with each other? Social networks of common interest or professional organizations. Do they have clubs and circles of friends? Do they celebrate arts and music? Do they attend churches? Viktor Frankl wrote that much of human development is based on a search for meaning, a sense of purposefulness. Do they have a purpose, a meaning, a reason for being, a motivational force, a recognition of something greater than themselves? Might we find some commonalities within our own world religions? Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, Confucianism, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, Wicca. And how can a civilization survive if not somehow coordinated with the environment, its production of food and protection of non-renewable resources, and viability of ecosystems such as water, air, or other biologically life-sustaining systems? And how are environmental systems governed and protected in the common good? How are economic systems governed and coordinated? What ensures defense systems? And if they do have specialization of abilities, how are those abilities exchanged? Is there a socialist organization or a free market system? Is technology advanced to the point where all needs are met? If so, what is done with their free time? What motivates their participation in a social structure? And while alien species may not necessarily be aggressive or warlike, it is safe to assume that they would be able to defend themselves against attack. One group of scientists predicted their weapons load would be light if they came to us because of weight restrictions in space travel, so we may not need to worry about an attack from them. Some theorists say the uh, theme of altruism is a logical starting point for finding common ground. Dr. Douglas Vakoch, who is a resident psychologist at SETI, suggests a notion of reciprocal altruism in which you pick bugs out of my hair and I give you a banana later. He says it seems plausible that if other beings are sending a transmission, in a sense, they are practicing altruism investing considerable resources, as we are, perhaps in the hope of getting a message and information back in return someday. And that sense of sharing is something we might share. So that is my own feeble attempt at paving the way to the universal or multiversal commonalities that intelligent species might use as a start at communication. Some people say we may have already encountered aliens or that they have encountered us, but it's been kept secret. And perhaps we do need to consider that groups of people are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, as we see here on this slide. Something strange, 
unknown powers can threaten a group, and it's e only practical and even essential that such a situation evokes an instinctive panic response. And that's where reason and leadership come in. So we shouldn't panic. These are wise words uh, from Douglas Adams. We are once again on the verge of transformational change on our world, where the abundance provided by technology may downgrade the often polarizing roles of economics and politics and dogma. And we as educators and scientists and just well-intentioned, informed people can help prepare the way, influencing other mindsets by ensuring that our own are set right. And others are very receptive to our sympathetic influence. One of my students said when she travels internationally, she leaves her know-it-all face at home and instead wears a face of humility and questioning, and she finds herself even more welcomed because of it. And this image is known as the Blue Marble. It was taken by the Apollo 17 mission in the 70s. NASA says that even today it is the single most requested image in their archives. And seen from space, our planet looks so inviting and vibrant, unified, even peaceful. It's the face we turn to the universe. So let's wear a face of humility and curiosity, and we may find a new and wider welcome to the cosmos. The Science Circle is a nonprofit program based in the Netherlands with a recording studio here in Southern California. For more information on this podcast and other Science Circle programs, please visit sciencecircle.org. That's sciencecircle.org. This podcast is under Creative Commons license and is freely available for educational use. Until the next time, I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Be well.